I'm Tony Tardio. Hello and welcome to Darren Hinch's That's Life podcast, a podcast where we talk about the big stories of the past, the big stories of today, through the prism of Hinch's six decades in the media. In this episode, Growing Old in Australia, post-COVID, how will things change? The biggest poverty group now are women over the age of 50. The government is looking at cutting compulsory super. Can you survive your twilight years? Mr Hinch, welcome to That's Life. Uh, thank you, Mr Tardio. And uh, Happy New Year, I guess, because we're, yes. we're, we're ending 2020, which we're all pretty happy to see the end of. Oh, yeah, what a shithouse year. Going into 2021. <laughs> can you think of another year of uh, upheaval? I guess the world wars, you know, was one. Yeah, and, and I guess back uh, 9-11 was probably a pretty awful ending to a, to a year. But look, I want to talk about, because we've got a new year, I've been doing some research on it, and I want to talk about growing old, because... My ex-wife Lana told me, we were talking about something else, and she said, do you know that people, a lot of people have a fear, a genuine fear of growing old. And I said, I, I didn't, I didn't realise that, to be honest, and I started to do some research on it. And uh, I mean, I know the Irish, my background's Irish, so I know the old lines like, the longer you live, the sooner you die. And, uh, and one of them was saying, death's the greatest kick of all, that's why they save it till last, boom, boom. Um, and, the, and people always say there's only two inevitable things in life, and that's taxes and death. Uh, and I, I remember my dad would be telling us that all the time. He also had a very bad old joke that he used to say, you're only as old as the women you feel. You know? <laughs> but that was that. Look, I'll give you one corny one. I mean, I know people say, oh, you know you're getting old when you start reading the obituary column to see if you get a mention, you know, and the old the death, the death notices and things like that. But I remember a couple of other Irish jokes. One was, um, beneath the, see if I can remember it, beneath the stone lays, beneath the stone lies Clancy, they buried him today. He lived the life of Riley while Riley was away. So, so he was obviously bonking Mrs. Riley, I would, I would say. And the other one was, I only know half of this one, was that um, there was some dreary, boring man, I presume he was an accountant, um, and they decided um, they wouldn't hold a funeral, his friends wouldn't hold a, futural, a funeral for him. They said, because they said he never lived, they said he never died. Isn't that sad? Isn't it just so sad? Keith McGowan never had a funeral. Didn't he? He, he, he passed away, had a stroke uh, around Christmas time, yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, or about five or six years ago. But he didn't want to have a funeral. And uh, he left instructions that he would just be buried. And his friends organised, uh, you know, a an wake. afternoon at a, at, a, at a pub somewhere in Richmond, uh, I think it was. But, you know, funerals, state funerals, that sort of thing. I know you feel strongly about people who get straight state yeah, funerals. Well, some you talked about them, Richard Pratt. Yeah. And you said he shouldn't have got it. He a shouldn't have got one, no. I mean, he, he, he and his mates in a cartel, they engineered millions and millions of dollars in the cardboard industry to go to them and it added money to your, your can of spaghetti because all the cardboard boxes, the prices were being jacked up. You know? And into Richard's pocket. I think other people shouldn't have. I mean, Richard shouldn't have. I think, I won't go through it again, Peter Brock should not have either. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm not against state funerals. I think they, they honour people very nicely. I'm amazed at not having a funeral at all. Um, I have um, my ex-mother-in-law 
didn't have a funeral because she and her husband agreed they didn't want to, and so that's your your right, you know. Um, I know a friend who said, "I'd rather be in the coffin down there than get up and give a eulogy. I'd rather be in the box than actually have to stand." Well, up some and, people have this fear of talk. public speaking. Public speaking, um, yeah. I, and I was, I've been to funerals, very religious funerals, which have been a requiem mass and goodness knows what, where virtually the person who died may as well not have been there. Hardly got a mention. Um, um, as if there was no eulogy. Some churches ban eulogies. Well, that's the thing about the, cap- Catholic, the Catholic Church. Well, um, Gary Meadows, <clears throat> who was a well-known radio guy, he, he didn't. There was no eulogy. And think, well, surely somebody can get up and say, "This is what this guy achieved," you know. And uh, and there, there was nothing. I thought I could have been. I could have walked into the wrong funeral, you know, and it wouldn't have mattered a damn. Some funerals that I've gone to, magnificent. You know, oh, yeah. I, I went to Frank Hardy's funeral. Uh, he, he, of course, wrote uh, the great book about Melbourne, uh, Power mm. Without Glory. Power Without Glory, yeah. And uh, that was held the, at the, the Colling- book, yeah. Yeah, Collingwood Town Hall. John Fane was the MC. It wasn't wow. a religious one. Uh, Gough Whitlam spoke at the funeral. And everybody that was uh, part of Melbourne was pretty much uh, there. And he came across as a scallywag uh, which character, he which he was. You, you, you knew yeah, him well? Yeah, 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 quite well. Uh, so, and then another one that I went to was Don Chip's funeral at St Paul's Cathedral in the city. Wow. Andrew Denton spoke at uh, that because he interviewed Don Chip a few times, and they got him to do the eulogy. And uh, I went to where the media area was, which is on as you walk down on the left-hand side near the front of the church. And I remember Paul Keating arrived, Tammy Fraser arrived, and Malcolm Fraser arrived. And I was about uh, three metres away from them. And as Andrew Denton cracked this line about Malcolm losing his pants in <laughs> Memphis. Memphis, Keating sort of like... Uh, Flinched. <laughs> just sort of smirked a little bit to himself. And Tammy and Malcolm looked straight at him. <laughs> Ooh, yes, he lost his pants in Memphis. At the law of the um, Admiral Benbow Hotel. Mm. I remember well, I wrote about it in one of my books. Um, well, I mean, I'm not going to try and top you, but uh, some of the funerals, I've been, memorable funerals I've been to were um, Martin Luther King, Bobby Kennedy, Louis Armstrong, Judy Garland, Weary Dunlop, uh, Jack Hamilton, you know, uh, so the f- former footy boss. Um, yeah, I, I, I think eulogies should be, and also you should be allowed to applaud. I've done it sometimes. I've led the applause at a funeral because somebody's made a beautiful eulogy about somebody, and then walks back to their seat and there's dead silence. When it should be applauded, mm. and then the life, the death should also celebrate the life, and that's why I think I'm having my, my. I've already picked where my my funeral's going. Well, I was going to ask you about. Have you thought about what? Uh, yeah, it's going to be at the comedy theatre in the city. Well, that reminds me of Bruce Mansfield's funeral was held at the Athenaeum Theatre. Yes, I, unfortunately, I was in, in, in Sydney on, on that. And Bert and Patty Newton emceed that. So you <sighs> want to do yours at the Comedy Theatre? The Comedy Theatre, yeah. yeah. I, remember, I remember going to a, a funeral um, once at the, uh, another, at the, the Regent you know, and uh, Theatre. And they, they, especially if you're non-religious, mm. they can be wonderful. You, know. um, you can... Because uh, you have entertainment... As well, you know, and uh, and so yes, I'm going to be at the comedy theatre. Well, Billy Thorpe, when he died, they they broadcast that live on Sky News, and Max Merritt, your mate from New Zealand, yeah. 
He's saying slipping away. Slipping away at, at his yeah, uh, yeah. at his the, funeral. Uh, I um, the one thing I don't like at funerals is that that hymn or psalm, whatever they do about. Do not mourn, he has not gone. Well, of course he's effing gone. You know, he's dead. That's why we're at the funeral. This yeah. is going back to our religious yeah. comment yeah. the other day. Yeah, well, look, look, we're talking about funerals because we're talking I, about I'm sorry, I'm interrupt you. Yeah. I want to have, as, I, as my coffin's taken out of the church to be burned, to be cremated, um, I want to play That's Life. I've actually recorded That's Life good night, Goodbye. I've recorded that already. Uh, so you've you've recorded something to be played to At my people. Funeral, just saying, that's life. Goodbye. <laughs> Rather, than, that's life. Good night. That's life. Goodbye. Um, and I want um, Israel, the Hawaiian guy, to sing uh, somewhere over the rainbow, uh, over the videos of of my life. Mm. Um, I wasn't at this funeral, but I heard about it. Uh, some guy was delivering the eulogy and he had his mobile phone with him and he got his mate to ring him up and pretend that it was the guy in the coffin who was ringing and he was having this two-way conversation with the guy, uh, which was well, quite, a, quite funny. Geez, that'd be risky. Yeah, did, yeah. Did it work? Yeah, it did work and it was quite funny because uh, he was talking about what it was like where he was and uh, it, it was different to what he thought, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> well, I, you, you would all know, I'll clean this up a little bit, um, you would all know Paul Barber, our colleague and my producer for many years, at his funeral, I used the F word. I gave a eulogy and used the F word. Um, it was in context. Uh, I know Darren James' mother said, oh, my God, he's not going to use the F word. Is he? <laughs> and I had to because when I used to get off air from 3OW, I'd always answer the phones. The phones would be going crazy at noon, you know, four or five, four or five um, phones are going nuts. And uh, I would answer some, Paul would answer some, Jill Nankable, my assistant, would answer some. Susie Yeager, named after Chuck Yeager, who just died recently. She was, Chuck would, uh, would answer phones. But Paul Barber had a running gag with Jackie Weaver, in which he'd pick the phone, whenever she called to get me, because she'd call me straight after I got off air, Paul would pick the phone and say, well, you can believe it, I suppose. He'd say, I suppose a fuck's out of the question. <laughs> right? So one day the phones are going nuts. And he picks up the phone and he says to Jackie, I suppose I fucked out the question. And it was his dentist <laughs> who never saw him again. <laughs> never saw him again. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> True story. It's very but no, the funny. comedy would, would, would be good. Um, yeah, I think so. Look, speaking about, about age, I was doing some work on this recently. And the two things, or three things, people do get scared about will they have the money to retire on. Um, women especially, who have worked less often because they raised the kids, if they have less superannuation. Um, the high, I saw the other day, the highest increase in people going on the dole or becoming homeless were women over 50. You know, they may have marriage may have broken up. The husband's been smart and got most of the money. You know, I had a good lawyer, gotten early. Um, but women over fifty. But I, I, I saw some things I just didn't believe, and you can guide me on it. The claim: What do you need in retirement? How much a year do you leave, need to live on from pension, super, or whatever? And a superannuation fund did a survey and claimed: Now, this is if you own your own home or your own apartment. Okay, that a single person 
could live on around, moderately, on around 29,000 a year, and a couple could live on 45,000 a year, around that. And I thought, that must be bullshit. A single person on well, 29,000. that's very moderate living. That's moderate. I mean, uh, and, I mean that's not flying to Sydney. No, that's yeah, not we, we, going no, overseas. No yeah, says, that's no not overseas going to restaurants no. whenever you feel like you and want not, to not go. Buying new, and they did say, in fairness, not buying new clothes if you want to, uh, probably getting rid of your life insurance. Da, 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 da. They claimed, though, that you could live reasonably well a single person on about 45,000 and a couple on 60. I think both of those figures, maybe I'm out of touch, both of those figures I think are too low. Look, I think they're lowish. Lowish, yeah. I, I, I think you can live, but you can't have the frills. Yeah. But you can eat okay. Yeah, you can eat well. Uh, I mean, look, yeah. I, mean, I, I buy $8 chickens, and they can last most people for two or three, a single person for two or three days. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, because of my health, I throw, I throw everything out after 24 hours. But a, a normal person could yeah. eat for two or three days. But you, you, the other thing too, Darren, is you've, over your life, uh, you know, been pretty successful. So you've enjoyed the finer things oh, in shit, life. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, you've drunk nice wine. You've ate nice food. You've travelled uh, to exotic places. We'd, we'd have lunches sometime where the food would be $70 and the booze would be 300 <laughs> you know? so, Yeah, that, that's quite true. Um, but the one thing I, I did... did do and this is a tip maybe for some older people. Uh, it sounds, especially I suppose if you haven't haven't got kids or your kids are reasonably off themselves. I had a, a, a very expensive life insurance policy. You know, it was going to pay on my death would pay somebody a million dollars or a bit more, and I was paying twenty grand a year for that yeah, well, insurance. What was the reason for that? Oh, I figured I need. I, I, I suppose I was married at the time, and I thought right. I'd do it. So I kept it going for years longer than I should have. Eight years ago. I stopped, all right? That's $160,000 I've had to spend alive that somebody's not yeah. going to get when I'm dead. Yeah. And I thought, 160 grand over eight years, you know, 20 grand a year is a lot of money yeah, to absolutely. a lot of people. So I just, I felt bad at the time. I thought, I've paid this insurance policy for probably 25 years. Now I'm getting rid of it, and I'm glad I did. I thought, you know, spend it while you've got it. Uh, I think as you get old... Uh, you worry about whether you're going to be healthy, as in yes, that's the other question. Physically able to look after yes. yourself, you know. Uh, I, I mean, you can have all the money in the world, but if you can't get out of bed and shower yourself and go to the toilet and do stuff, well, what sort of life do you do you have? I remember you talking about uh, you wanted to get uh, an old people's home together, not call it an old people's yeah, home, uh, yeah, yeah. but be with your friends. I remember Molly Meldon was one yes, of the we'll guys go, you we'll mentioned. Go, it was going to be called um, uh, Cocoon Lodge from the movie Cocoon, where all these old people got young again by swimming in this pod, this space age thing. And I actually checked out, I had an architect design it. I checked it out in uh, Wood End. Uh, which is probably wrong, it's probably too cold there, but it was, we're going to have like 12 or 13 people would live in this horseshoe development. You'd have, each would have a two-bedroom unit, they'd all be identical. You'd have a bathroom designed to hospital standards where you could get a, a no-stick no, no shower on the floor and you could get a wheelchair in there. If you're living alone or with somebody else, if you needed attention with two bedrooms, you get a carer could could live there as well. There will be a communal dining room and a communal bar where you put your own bottle of scotch in the bar with your name on it. Uh, there'd be a billiard table. Um, we'd have a restaurant come in maybe twice a week and provide restaurant meals, and you'd take the leftovers home. 
I thought it all through. You know, there'd be no oven, but there'd be a microwave, um, and, it'd be, and and just and everyone would have a shed, so you'd park your golf cart in there, or just every Aussie man needs a shed, so you'd park your golf cart, and once a week, the the communal bus would go to the supermarket and you'd do your shopping what you wanted or in my case I do it now I I buy, I'd buy online so mm. but yeah it was up we we thought and you could stay in your own room for weeks if you wanted to or you could stay go out and com- commune mainly for people in the entertainment business or journalism and that's the way it, was. it won't happen now but that's what I was thinking about uh, this is the thing about getting old though is uh, that would give you the companionship that yes. uh, that that the friendship all, all yeah. human beings need as as people get old you know uh, they, they they tend to isolate themselves mm. uh, well, I, they're I, frail I, I, they can't okay, go out I, I won't name but i have a friend whose mother is now in very good care in a nursing home okay she said the daughter suddenly realized and because of covid restrictions she didn't wasn't getting all the information she wanted to but she discovered her mother wasn't going to the dining room at night time because, like a lot of older people, her legs had started to swell, she couldn't fit shoes on her feet, and she's wearing slippers. And she said, I can't go to the, to the dining room in slippers. And I said to my friend, tell your mother she's not bloody June Daly Watkins, you know, there'll be people there in tracksuit pant trousers, you know, where's the, I mean, things change. I, I had lunch recently with a friend, a dear friend, uh, I had to get on my hands and knees to get his legs out of the Uber because he couldn't lift his legs to get out. But I took him to a restaurant with a, with a wheelchair. Uh, and in the restaurant, without saying a word, I just picked up his meal and put it in front of me and chopped it up and put it back because he, he was struggling to cut the, the food up. And I just thought, well, that's what you do with a mate, you know. And uh, it was a really telling moment. I thought... You know, he, he has he has no quality of life at all. That's why I think Victoria is the right the right state to live in. He doesn't. Um, with voluntary euthanasia, uh, is is one of the most compassionate things that this state has done in many years. Paul Keating, uh, during the Hawke Keating years, brought in this compulsory superannuation, Super, yeah, yeah. which prior to that. Rich people had their own superannuation. Poor people tended to just rely on the pension. Yeah. And uh, people, it's changed, but uh, people initially viewed the pension as a right. Yes. Well, well, you've paid taxes all your life, so you're entitled to a pension. The superannuation brought in by Keating and Hawke, you probably don't remember it, it started at 3%. I do. 3%. It's now 9 and a quarter. It's now 9 and a quarter. Uh, It's due to go to... 10 and then 12. Uh, originally, the Swedish faction was to have 15%. It mm. won't get there anymore. I mean, the the, the um, Morrison government's trying to even st- stop the legislated increase to 10% next year, which I think is wrong. It should go to 10%. Uh, because, you know, it, it, is, it is compulsory saving. I don't like the idea that people can dip into it and... Uh, to build your house, the first house is kids. I think super was meant to be for super. It was meant to be for retirement, to look after you when you weren't working anymore. And the the way that the politicians are trying to, some politicians are trying to carve it back is so hypocritical because when I was in the Senate, the Senate and House of Reps super is 15, 14.5%. So we were already there. 
paid by the taxpayer, you know, 14 15%. So for them to try and stop it getting from 95 to 10 and then to 12, I think is wrong and I think will rue the day. I, th- I think the plan was that uh, if you took it to 15%, then over 40 years by the time you retire, the lump sum would give you a weekly amount of about 70% of your wage. wage. Yes, it's a good theory. Uh, it and, is a good theory, yeah. yeah. And, of course, that money then can be put to good use by superannuation companies mm-hmm. and Australia to invest in but, things but, that... But there has been, have been rip-offs. I mean, some of the superannuation fees have been disgusting over the years. Uh, they, they've made a career out of, out of taking people's money. And people are naive. They change jobs and don't even know their super doesn't go with them. They don't understand it. Um, I, I have my own private super fund which I, I, you know, I have people looking after it, but I decide what shares I buy, what I'm doing, how I'm doing, when I sell, what I do. Uh, so I'm, I'm sort of in control of it. Probably not as much as I should be, but, uh, but there we are. But I, I, um, look, if you, as you get older, if you can shop cleverly, go for the bargains. I said, I buy, I, I see chickens on special at Woolies, and they're about $8.50 for a big plump, Roast chicken, which is which cooks up beautifully. You, know, you go uh, to a restaurant and you, you're spending thirty five dollars on a meal or forty dollars yeah, on a yeah, meal. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, it's five, eight chickens. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, so I, I, so I, I do that uh, quite carefully. Um, there is a funny line I've used many times. I actually, said it to Bet Midler, drop a name the other day. Um, she just turned seventy five. You she, spoke to Bette Midler? No, I just sent her a note. I know oh, her and I just sent her a note saying, Bette, she said, I've just turned 75. How did this happen? Where did the time go? And I sent her an old old note that I've used in speeches before. I said, Bette, I can sum up the meaning of life in 79 Twitter characters. Do you know that? Tell 79. Me. Tell me. Inside every old person... There's a young person saying, what the fuck happened? <laughs> that's, that's right. Well, you're now, what, 70? Oh, uh, nearly 76. 70, 76. Five. So when, when you're 75, when, when you look back on your life, it's, it, it's, it's like a blink of an eye, isn't it? So yeah. it's, well, it's there's a theory so about this. The reason why is because, and this is a Hinch theory, and he made knock it. When you're five... Right, years old, your next year to your next birthday represents 20% of your life, right? It's a long time. When you're 50, a year in your life means bugger all. When you're 70, it means even less. That's why years, in my view, seem to get shorter. I mean, this one, 2020, thank goodness, went in a blink. Uh, it's such a bad year. But as you get older, years shrink because it's not a huge part of your life. You know, it's a... It's it's a just a, a flick. Uh, how do you think you've changed, uh, Darren, o- o- over the years? Uh, you've mellowed. Have I? I think you've mellowed. <laughs> You're a firebrand. When, uh, well, before I met you in the in the seventies and the eighties, I, I think you've mellowed a lot from there. Yeah, I, I, well, how do you think age has changed? Well, you? I, I don't think so. Um, people keep saying, "Oh, you reinvent yourself." I said, "I find that insulting." I'm just. Me, you know, I don't reinvent anything, you know. I, I think when I was a senator, I was, uh, 
fairly dogmatic about what I what I believed and what I felt should be done, and still still feel that way. Um, I people say you know you learn from your mistakes, and I always say no, you don't. You just repeat them. This thing, I don't know if we do learn from our mistakes. You know? I mean, I've I've been a bad businessman, and uh, I probably will be again. You know. Well, some guy asked me to invest in something last week, and I said, no, I'm not into investing. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, so I'm learned. learning a bit, yeah. <laughs> Normally I say, wow, let's do this. Um, yeah, uh, I guess maybe with, with age or with knowledge comes a bit of mellowing. You know? I try not to be – I try not to shout at people. Okay. Um, you did a bit of that on the radio. Oh, yeah, I said, oh, hell yeah. Well, they deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the callers were, you know, it's just outrageous. You know, so, yeah, I, I, I'd get fired up. The, uh, when I was doing morning radio, Darren James used to call my opening editorial the 8.30 pull-through <laughs> because I was usually going after one person and giving him a pretty hard time, you know. Um, then even when I was doing the afternoons, I always had, always had an opinion, uh, uh, and I've said to you before on, on this program, on this podcast, that I've always thought of radio as sort of a newspaper, an oral newspaper. So you have your page one headline, you have your editorial, you have your you know your colour pieces, and that's what you do. You know, and I think that's the way I've always always worked. I mean, th- I love these podcasts because we cover we cover all sorts of territory. You know. Well, we're coming into 20... We don't plan them. No, sure. well, we do plan a little bit about what we're going to talk about, but then we go off onto other tangents. Uh, yeah, we're coming into 2021. Uh, I know your birthday's in early February. February. Um, so uh, you'll click over uh, another year. As you, as you look back at 2020 and then look forward to 2021, what are, what are your hopes for next look, year for we yourself are still, we are still gonna have to do covid normal you know which is a different world altogether i suspect by mid 21 you maybe even be asked if you go to a night well, i wouldn't but if you go to a nightclub or a bar you ask to produce your vaccination certificate to prove you've had it done uh that you won't be that companies will say well you can't come to work unless you've had a vaccination the anti-vaxxers will go mad about it but i mean i i would i'll be happy to know i'm going to places where people have taken precautions so those things will change workforces will go back a lot more to the office but i think it long term there'll be a lot more people working from home because they like it because it's cheaper and because they can and bosses, as I said before, bosses realise when you say you're working from home, you're not just wagging it, you're not just goofing off, you actually are working. And possibly, and probably, many people I know are working longer hours because the, the one or two hours they spend going to and from work, they're actually working at home. But what about for yourself, Darren? I know every time I come in here uh, to talk to you, you've, you've told me how many extra words you've written <laughs> on this new book. So you've got a new book coming out. a new out. book coming out at the end of next year, which I won't tell you what it is yet, but it's... Uh, it's, uh, I've written, since the, the lockdown, I've written more than 60,000 words, which is about 190 pages. So I'm getting there. And, uh, you, and you still want to uh, get back into the oh, yeah, I've, Senate? Oh, yeah. We start campaigning again. The next Senate election, I think, will be Hinch's Hunch October next year, or it'll be March 2022. Uh, I think that, it, and they've got a state election coming up the following year, 22, and I've got two members of parliament. We had three, but one went rogue. Um, I've got two members of parliament, um, Tanya Maxwell and Stuart Grimley. I want to try and get them re-elected uh, come 22. I want to try and get me elected again to the Senate. Uh, we're still working on a slogan. Um, one I'm looking, quite liking is 
um, help me help you. So get me back in the Senate and see what I can do for you. Uh, we had some good wins when I was there. And, and I have said to you before, part of me died when I didn't get re-elected because I believed I was going to be back there for another six years. But then Labor and Liberal did a deal and cut my six years to three years and then the tribe has spoken and I got voted out and that's the way democracy works. Will be 2021, which means we will have completed 20 years of the uh, new century. When you look mm-hmm. back at the uh, 20 years, I mean, let's let's focus on Melbourne. Are you happy with the city Melbourne has Yeah, I think, I think it's a great city. I, I am. I think it's a great city. I think what COVID, all the poor people have died, but some COVID things have been positive. I mean, I was in Domain Road in South Yarra the other day. They've now got these outdoor grassy places for people to sit and umbrellas and and I'm old enough to remember when the city council, local council wouldn't let you put a bloody table outside your restaurant, let alone... Well, you couldn't eat outside because no. it was deemed to be unhealthy, yeah, you know, right, unhygienic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, in Europe, they've been doing it for uh, centuries. Well, I remember an old, an, old, an old joke from New York days where a mother's outside with her son and she says... Drink your soup, Herman, before it gets dirty. <laughs> but that's changed. I mean, now, and, and you've, we, we will find in the years ahead, electric cars will make streets cleaner, you know. Um, you think we're doing enough about climate change? No, but I think that the, uh, that the Brits and the Americans under Biden will force us to do more. I mean, the idea of... Um, of uh, zero by 2050 was regarded as a joke, a Greens dream some years ago, but now most countries, many countries, are pushing towards it. Uh, I'm, I'm excluding China because they're building more coal, coal power stations than ever. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not against renewables. I think they're a great idea, but you can't just shut down coal overnight. I mean, I think coal will still be servicing Australia for the next 25 years as it gets less and less. Uh, do you think the Olympics will go ahead in Japan? Mm-hmm. Do you think the Olympics will go ahead yes, I in do. Japan? I, th- I do. Yeah. I think we're... God, it's hard to say. We'll be looking at what's happening in recent days in New South Wales. Um, yes, I think they will go ahead. Uh, they'll be different, probably. Will we cope with Eddie Maguire no longer being president of Collingwood, Darren? Uh, I think most people, most people <laughs> will. I'm not sure the same with Eddie. I love Eddie, and we've exchanged a few notes about various things. I think Eddie will finally will run for par- run for parliament. You think so? At one stage, yeah, federally, not state, uh, but I think he will. On what side of politics? I don't know. To be honest, I mean, he's a broady boy, so he's, oh, he must be Labor. Well, his but brother's he's got a lot in of, the Labor Party yeah, here got, in Victoria. Got, he's, he's, I'd say he's a broady boy. He must be Labor. But he's got a lot of millionaire liberal friends, and they would be very keen to have him on board. So I don't know. I mean, if, if I think Eddie, and this is me being irreverent, I, I love him, but he would love to be the first president of Australia. I mean, he was involved with the the, uh, the Republic drive and the Republic debate. It's funny, I wanted to stand for that that convention, but I couldn't afford the $500 nomination <laughs> fee. <laughs> I was up at my farm in my Grizzly Adams period, and I didn't have the 500 bucks to nominate. Yeah, it was either eat or be on the convention. <laughs> so right. you chose eating. I chose eating. Now, there I, lived for, mate, I lived for a year. My dinner every night for a year were those minute noodles. Didn't you think, Darren, how am I going to get through this period? No, because no, you know? that's, that's the clue. I always thought I'd get through it. I'd get over it. 
It's quite remarkable. I was always optimistic that, yeah, this, this will change. And it and did. It did. And yeah. it did. Yeah. Well, you're an amazing, uh, amazing man, Mr. Hinch. Um, I, I, I need to say uh, I've, I really enjoy doing these podcasts. I hope people listening enjoy them as much as I enjoy doing them. look at the beautiful them. muffins I cook you every week. I should say, ladies and gentlemen, every time, uh, I'll just set the scene. Damien, my son, and I, we come into uh, Mr. Hinch's apartment and we record these podcasts. And every week, actually, I was looked at the sink and I didn't see any muffins and I didn't say anything today. There they are over there. Darren cooks us, used to be four, and now it's five. Well, it's six. I keep one for myself. Oh, I steal one before I give them to you. And they're, they're the most magnificent muffins, which date back to when he used to work at 3AW and he used to bring them into the newsroom uh, Every day. about 15 uh, years ago. And I, I started packing on a bit of weight back then. <laughs> um, I nicknamed you Tony Lardy. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Now, we <laughs> thank you. These are beautiful. full of pepper. Ground pepper. Yeah, and they're sultanas. spicy, aren't they? They're the sol- spi- I thought it was the sultanas that gave it the spice, no, it's the but pepper, it's the peppers. Um, uh, all of the people who listen, we we thank you very much. Tell your friends that we've got this podcast uh, going because uh, uh, we, we'd like to do it uh, into 2021. Uh, we did hear from our uh, our chief fan in in uh, Hungary. We're number Darren. three in Hungary in podcasts. A guy by the name of uh, John Verpaletti. And uh, he, he's written here, he wrote to you, uh, Darren. Yeah. Uh, do no, you can read it. Uh, read it, yeah. It says, hi, Darren and Tony. He's put me in brackets. Well, I must be one of those listeners to have propelled you to number three in Hungary. So I'm reporting in as suggested by Tony. I reckon there are probably 50 to 100 Aussies here with the higher number possible. I guess because nobody, not everybody turns up to our periodic get-togethers. Well, they all know each other over there. I've been here in Budapest for 30 years now. I came following the fall of the wall on a two-year contract. All but retired now, and we'll see it out in the kleptocratic autocracy we have here. What does that mean, Darren? What's a kleptocratic autocracy? Well, klepto means stealing. Stealing. (laughs) Right, okay. I get the drift. That said, I was getting back every year for the Anzac Day clash, although 2020 became the first and only exception when the airline cancelled my planned trip. I do enjoy the show, the topics, and the interaction between the two of you, so please keep delivering. I may have written previously suggesting you do a show on your time behind bars to give us a, an insider's view. That's not a bad we, idea. We have I, done that. We, we've we? done that, have we? Yes, we have, yeah. I either did send that email or intended to my bloody memory these days. <laughs> P.S. Funnily enough, about a year ago, Motley Fool Money which I also subscribed to, mentioned it was the number one finance shares download in Hungary. Well, he, he's the guy. He's well, driving the... Well, he, so Mr. Mr. John Verpaletti well, in John, Budapest. Thank you. thank you, John. And uh, for everybody else, um, yeah, 2021 is going to be a big year. And uh, as I said, I'm running for office again. Give it a try. We'll be back and keep doing these. I'm loving it. And uh, Happy New Year to everybody listening. And uh, subscribe, please. And uh, write a little blurb on uh, what you think of the the podcast uh, on the website. Mr. Hinch, Happy New Year. And to you, mate.